Dr. Shelley Doxey was raised outside of London, England. She got her veterinary degree from the Royal Veterinary College in 2002. She has been involved in small animal practice since graduation. Her focus is on the management of painful and debilitating conditions such as osteoarthritis and geriatric diseases. She provides integrative care to patients both in her own solo practice and as part of a multi-person small animal practice. She is certified in acupuncture by the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists. She has a strong interest in Western herbs and has a graduate diploma in veterinary Western herbal medicine from CIVT. She is a member of the British Veterinary Rehabilitation and Sports Injury Association, the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists, the British Association of Veterinary Herbalists, and the Veterinary Botanical Medical Association. Please enjoy this conversation as we talk about her education, her early years in small animal practice, and adding acupuncture and herbal medicine to her skills, practicing both solo and in a group. Dr. Doxy, thanks for joining me. No problem. Hi. Hi. So where were you born? I was born in South London, so in the UK. At what point in your childhood did you decide that you want to be a veterinarian? Um, it's very hard. I, I think potentially when I was in primary school, so when I was quite small, but it, it wasn't an easy path. Um, I, I actually got to vet school in the UK when I was... I was 24, which is actually quite late here. Most most students go to college, they would be around about 18. So I um, I didn't go quite the straightforward way, yeah. Do you think that was a benefit for you? Um, I do, I do now because I think having had um, considerable life experience, I'd, I'd had jobs, I'd worked in a hospital, I had a degree and a master's degree. So actually it was the only the only downside I suppose was being a little bit older. But it um it helped me learn to study. Yeah, you know. What was your master's degree in? Um human and applied physiology. So Oh. I, I love physiology. So it, I mean a lot of it really applied to, to my veterinary degree. So um yeah. It was really helpful then. It was, it was very yeah. practical, very practical masters. So it really helped. My impression is thinking back that having that life experience, having classmates who had some of that experience myself um, uh -huh. in school that, you know, they just weren't ruffled like by the, by the faculty, like the students who hadn't had that, which w I think would be a huge advantage. Yeah. And all the students used to joke and call me grandma because I was, five or six years older, but yeah. <laughs> Were you the, the oldest in your class? No, no. Um, I went to vet school, um, the L Royal Veterinary College in London, and we actually have quite a few American students come over each year and join, and they were similar age to me or older, and there were a few guys from the UK who'd had a degree and then come along. So, no, I was part of an older cohort <laughs> good good yeah um how many people were in your class uh, i think we were around about 100 uh oh, that's pretty good size. Slightly less by the time we finished but um way way less than what they have now i think they have two maybe even three times as many students wow so, yeah yeah um what percentage were women do you think 
Oh, yeah, I think we were potentially 60%, but from what I can tell, it's um, things have changed and there's even more women than men now, definitely, and looking at looking at students I see coming out, yeah, which, I don't know, it's difficult to know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I think here it runs closer to like high 80s, low 90s wow. percentage, depending on the school, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did you have ex- exposure to holistic medicine while you're in school? Um, I would say no. <laughs> um, nothing was mentioned. The word acupuncture, definitely the word herbs. No, nothing at all. And I, I think now there is, they at least talk about um, acupuncture and, and a lot more of like physio- physiotherapy, just things like that. But yeah. I graduated in 2002 and no, not a word. So it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of practice did you go in when you left? I went straight into small animal practice. Um, That was kind of where I was felt more comfortable where I aimed to go. So just a, a small local practice. There was, I would say three and a half full time vets so it's so a nice and small, and um, I kind of stayed with that practice in somewhere or another for around about sixteen years. So yeah, <laughs> that's is that. I mean, that sound that's a bit unusual. Yeah, <laughs> I I did leave. Um, I had my children, and just to to make life a bit easier, I went to work in an emergency practice so I was doing weekends and some evenings kind of made it a bit easier with childcare but I still I still had my hand in I still locum for that practice and then kind of did more and more with them again so yeah and it was only really um I would say coronavirus and how that just made everything go a bit crazy that that changed a lot for for me and how I work now yeah yeah did you feel school prepared you for gen- for going out into practice? Um, that's a good question. I think we were lucky being a small year group compared to what they have now. We definitely have more practical experience than some of the students now. Um, so, and where I worked, I felt very supportive. So, yeah, I did. That that's kind of unusual too for a new grad to feel like. <laughs> You know, they're getting, they're getting support from the other. I was very lucky. (laughs) That's good. I, we, I, in talking to people, you still hear stories of, you know, a new grad gets there and a week later, the owner goes on vacation, you know, (laughs) and leaves, leaves them with the practice and just do what you can. Yeah. Um, I I love, I love the teaching. I love helping the, you know, the students when they come to see practice, we've got a new grad where I work now and I just, I feel like, you know, I was very lucky and I try and pass it on. Yeah. That's the way to go. <laughs> so at, at what point did you have an interest in holistic medicine then? Um, um, I suppose when I graduated, I got settled in. I did some specialization in medicine, um, some animal medicine. And then after that, kind of looking at the chronic diseases, chronic pain, I had a patient a pet of my own 
in, in chronic pain and I, I started reading and then went and learned about acupuncture and kind of after doing that it kind of just easily slid into learning about herbs and then le looking at courses and yeah it kind of grew from there. How long were you out of school before before you decided to do the acupuncture training then? Oh let me think I had a child by then so I was probably about six seven years in yeah what so and what things had you, you said you specialized what things had you kind of studied prior to that to the acupuncture what um well we we have you can do certifications in the uk so i had um once once i was quite happy and comfortable in in my general practice med, medicine is the what i loved i suppose it, it stems from my, i love the physiology i just love love working things out so i um i did a certificate in in small animal medicine and that took a few years to do. Did that, and then just look for the next thing. Um, yeah. What's involved in doing a certificate? Uh, you have to. Um, it's just like a, an extra course. So you do a course over a couple of years. You have to submit some case reports, and then you do an exam. Um, yeah. So Did you, you have can to travel. Have, sorry. Did you have to travel for that, or you could, you could do that right from practice? You had to travel for the courses. So about once a month, I would have to go and do a two-day course, and they would just divide that into all, all the all the medicine. So one day you'd be learning about virology or a spiritual medicine. Um, there was a little bit more in-depth than what we got in, in vet school and what we would do in general practice. It was kind of like the ne little next stage up. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that played into your interest then. Yeah. Um, where did you take your acupuncture training then? In the UK, there are two two groups. There's the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists, and then there's another group, um, which is 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 the Western sort of veterinary acupuncture group. And I was, I something in my mind, I really wanted to have a little idea of the traditional Chinese medicine to know where you know, where acupuncture came from. So I I chose the, the first one, the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists, and, and they had, as part of their training, they did have a day. And actually, um, I think it was a lot of, they, they work with Linda Bogey. So um, we had we had a nice day sort of blowing our minds, Chinese, the Chinese medicine. So so I did, I did their course and then sort of like, just started practicing initially for free <laughs> my my pets my friends pets and then um I was working part-time then I had two days a week off so I kind of set up set up a business and just word of mouth kind of grew grew a little acupuncture business yeah nice so were the area veterinarians supportive of that uh, not to begin with I think they thought it was a bit weird and then a couple got to know me um, and asked me to come and do little lunch and learns, come and come into their practices and have a chat so they could have a little, little look at what I did and ask me questions, and that kind of helped. Um, but it was more the clients found me than their vets pointed them towards me, yeah, initially. Yeah. yeah. I imagine with your physiology background, explaining it to a 
to a veterinarian it, is probably it helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Putting it in terms they could understand. So were you working in practices then or you had your own facility? I was I was I started off basically just kind of doing home visits. So I would just go around going so go and see people in in their homes. Um and then then I got kind of busier and um there's a lot of traveling time and some of my clients were were starting to get a bit bit more further away. So I very lucky we live on a farm and we have a a stable block that's not used and having a husband who's a farmer and very good with building, we converted a couple of the stables. So I have a clinic at home and started to try and encourage people to come to me, which helped me be around home more with the children and um, cutting down on the travel time was, was really good. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a double edged thing, I guess, doing the mobile practice because it's nice to be out and driving around, I think, but yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of time wasted. And I, I had a few occasions where I had to call clients and say, I just can't get to you. There's some traffic accident, something's happened and I'm stuck the other side of town. And yeah. So. Yeah. That's really frustrating. But I can imagine it's pretty nice to be able to walk out your door and be at the office. It is. It is. So I um I did that for a few for a fair few years. Um, my my two days away from practice, sort of growing my business at home, and working still still in general practice, and also still doing some of the emergency practice work. So I kind of very lucky. I have a a kind of a bit of everything, a good mix. So you're still doing that, doing a, doing the. I still do the mix, but it has changed. Yeah. Um, with with the um, the coronavirus situation last March, I found myself practically without a business and unemployed overnight. Um, so it, it did change my life. I couldn't see my clients because they couldn't come to me. We were doing emergency work only. Um, the practice where I had been for so long, I was I was not officially employed. I was a locum. They mm-hmm. didn't didn't need me anymore so I I just grabbed as many emergency medicine shifts as I could <laughs> so I was yeah pretty much doing going back to doing nights and weekends um and then come June late June the work started to come back we were allowed to go back into practice and I got an offer kind of out of the blue to to get a proper job a uh, proper part-time job with another practice that I knew quite well I had locum at so um, it was almost a too good to be true offer but they wanted more hours than I was prepared to give um, so I I said to them well if I can bring my business in with me um, get referral clients happy to come then then okay so I now yeah I now I'm actually employed by a, a vet down the road I still have my clinic I still do a little bit there, but all my new clients, actually, I've got coming to see me where I'm working, which actually is working really, really well because I was getting to the stage where I was potentially busy enough that I needed to employ someone to help me, but didn't earn earn enough money to really justify it. So having my clients come to me in practice, someone else is kind of doing the admin, 
the appointments, the emails, the phone calls. So it's actually working really, really well. Um, yeah, so coronavirus has changed a lot of the way I work, but f- I feel for the better. Good, good. So yeah. what, what when, say, last March and April, when things got started to get locked down, did clients stop coming in for routine things? Is that why things well, slowed down so much? Yeah, and in the UK, we had to basically overnight just go to emergency only, all the mm-hmm. vets. Um, and so a lot of what I was doing, well, my business was really not emergency. So I couldn't justify a lot of my work. And yeah, we the, the veterinary industry just kind of, it was it went into shutdown. We we had furlough, so so um, the practice where I was doing most of my work just furloughed all their staff, kept one vet and two nurses for three months. So they had a hell of a time. It was horrible for them, and everyone else was at home. And the government was paying eighty percent of their wages just to be at home. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what it was like where you are, but it's kind of how the way. We still there still is lots of um, businesses where people are just sat at home on on this furlough scheme. We've just yeah. not quite reopened yet. Um, when so with say at the clinic with pets that had emergencies, were they were those owners allowed in the clinic? With, I mean, what happened here was that clinics went to a curbside where owners couldn't yeah. come in. Yeah, we're still we're still doing that. Um, where I where I work, we were going to start letting some people in in January. We had a little plan so that people could come in um, as safe as we could make it. And then about the 3rd or 4th of Jan, the UK went into another lockdown. So we decided no. So we, we still have that where um, it's been a year now since a client's actually come into the practice apart from the the sad time we have a we have a room and we let the clients come in for that but um it's going to be really weird it's looking like they're quite confident that come june things will look a bit more normal so i think it's going to be really weird when the clients come back in yeah (laughs) how's it affected the way you work on your holistic patients um i have Actually, the acupuncture side of it, um, I, I sort of sit down with the animals for, for my acupuncture and, and laser. I actually kind of prefer it. I haven't got to make small talk. I can really concentrate on the pet. And they're all so relaxed. Um, so that side of it, I I kind of prefer just me and the dog or me and the cat, whatever it is. It, it I. I can pay a lot more attention to them. Um, the herbal side is hard because the herbal consultation is generally, you know, the initial initial time you're in there for an hour, aren't you? You've got a lot to go through chatting before you even get to examine the animal. So I'm trying, you know, and, and it, the weather in the UK hasn't been amazing. So we're out there sometimes in the cold, in the rain, in the dark, trying to have that, that herbal um, history taken. Uh, so it's, it's, I would say it's negatively affected that part of it. Um, yeah. and maybe I should, you know, do a bit more over the phone and via email. You're trying to get get outside and do that. 
Yeah, but I must admit, I, I do quite like sitting with the animals and having the acupuncture and really having the peace and quiet to do it without having to constantly feel like I need to chat to them. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> no, no, I get it. All right, I should I should go back for a second because we didn't talk about your herbal training. When did you... When did you, uh, was that the next thing after acupuncture for you? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I was, it kind of felt like a natural progression um, and something that I'd always, I had always been interested in um, looking into. So I, I looked around and the, the best option seemed to be CIVT courses. So I did their um, six weeks, like the essential course. And loved it. So then started on the road down certification and slowly through the diploma. So it took a while, but I, I really, really loved it. Really loved it. Yeah. Good. Did you do any herbs in your acupuncture course? No, not, not at all. No, it was just wholly acupuncture. So yeah. All right. So you weren't doing any Chinese herbs then before... No, no, I'd heard about it, but um, the Western herbs kind of felt in kind of instinctively right to do. But I, I must admit, the Chinese herbs are are in the back of my head, and I, I think that's potentially the next thing I'll look at. Yeah, yeah. dabble in. I, I, I'm full disclaimer. I'm in the middle of the graduate program now for Western herbs, and I, I, uh -huh. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal course. And so, are you able to grow any at home? Uh, I have tried. Um, some of them do really well. Some of them don't. Some of them take over. I have like clinch and they're just all over the garden sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I have tried. But a lot of the pets eat them if I'm not careful, which is probably good for them. <laughs> yeah. So if, as far as um, your herb work then, did you, you kind of had to split up your inventory, take some to the new place and leave some at home? How'd that work? Oh, at the moment I have it all at home and then I am kind of dispensing it and then we dispense it via the practice and I then bill the practice. We're doing it that way. Um, we are owned by a corporate company and I'm not sure how keen they would be to buy in my herbs. Um, it's early. It's, it's kind of early days. It's kind of early days. So I think if it grows then then I might be able to get more on the shelf that that's straight into the practice rather than through through me. But it's working well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Is is the corporatization of uh, veterinary practices that is widespread? Is that it's, I mean it is massive. here. It's massive, yeah. Yeah. Um it's it's really it really is. And actually as of December I I took on the role as a clinical director at the practice. So I'm one of two directors so I'm now learning more and more about the corporate world. Um, but I don't know. It is it is pretty huge over there. And there's not many practices locally at all that are independent anymore. Mm, okay. One in the local area that I can think of. Yeah. Does, does it look like holistic medicine is going to fit in that structure at all? Or no, it's going to be completely outside? I think it's maybe a case by case. I'm very lucky that um the the kind of the vet above me the, the the area manager is is very interested in what i do um 
actually before I got the job I, I treated one of his dogs and one of his wife's horses with herbs because they found ah. me privately so so I'm very lucky that I kind of in my local my local part of the corporate well they are interested but uh yeah I think a lot of the herbal vets are very independent and and um I wouldn't say anti-corporate but I think they struggle oh sure I could see that anti-corporate sentiment amongst <laughs> that I just uh, I'm concerned about the future of that sort of, of, you know, holistic practice Yeah. with, with the increasing corporatization of veterinary medicine, you know, where is that, you know, a small one person holistic practice, what's going to happen to them, you know? Yeah. And I think in the UK, we are, we're, we're looking at that because the, the Royal College are, uh, they've got new legislation they're proposing and, and they're not I wouldn't say they're anti herbs, but they're hugely anti homeopathy and us herbal vets in the UK have kind of just kind of kept our heads down, not 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 tried to cause a fuss or get too involved. But um but um yeah it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky I think it's a tricky time. A tricky time. Yeah. Um yeah. Could you see anti-homeopathy legislation happening? Mm, they're trying, definitely they're trying, yeah, which is which is why I think us herbal vets have kind of almost kept quiet because selfishly, if we stick our head up, would we get incorporated into that? But I, I would think we are very different, but, but they are definitely trying. You hear little murmurs about the... The, the homeopathy world so um yeah it's not great no it's interesting it, through our american veterinary medical association a number of years ago they tried to pass policy that was anti-homeopathy and mm. it didn't it, it eventually the other holistic groups pitched in and and fought it but i'm not sure exactly how the the people that voted to to prevent it, you know, some, I think, believe in holistic medicine, but I think also there was that, uh, American spirit of, you can't tell me how to practice. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, first today it's, it's homeopathy. What about, you know, next week it's, you can't use cortisone or, you know, it's just something that veterinarians don't want to be told what they can and can't do. Regardless. Yeah, I think, I think it's very true, very true over here as well. So, so they haven't been able to, and I would be surprised if they if they did ban it. But um, yeah, the homeopathists of you know they're having a tough time. They're having a really yeah. tough time. How about your associations there? What do you have? Uh, you, I, you have a British Herbal Association, yes. yes. Yes, we have a British Association of Veterinary Herbalists, which when I started um, was really quite tiny, um, and we are we're growing nicely. We are growing. We're growing nicely. I mean, we've, I'd say that, but I mean, it's fifty odd members, so it's not massive, but they're there, and um, definitely people are interested and starting to come on board and do some like introductory courses. And I was the second in the UK to get a diploma, um, mm -hmm. but I I see now that there's a, a good handful or so doing it so 
yeah. That's it's really slowly, nice. Slowly but growing. So that it's it's nice to see. It's really nice to see. And actually, when a few years back, when Barbara came over to the UK and and did some a course a long weekend, it, I think it really it, it got everyone together in one place. And yeah, it, it seemed to have spiraled from there. So so fingers crossed. That's that's kind of nice. I mean, to have Barbara come, obviously, but just to be able to mm. get together. I mean, who knows when we're going to be able to get together again? Yeah, we did get together last February. We went to Glasgow, um, all got together, which was nice. We've had some Zoom meetings. <laughs> we were going to get Steve Marsden was going to come over and do some introduction to Chinese herbs, which was going to be amazing. Um, but I think that was meant to be in September, and obviously didn't happen. But hopefully, hopefully it will change, and that will actually come come true. Yeah. So how many of your group do you think do do Chinese herbs? Uh and fifty odd. Probably ten percent. Not many. Not many. Yeah. But when we have little discussions, um, it's just fascinating how they approach things. Um yeah. really fascinating, yeah. Yeah. Well, even if you can't if Conditions prevent Steve from coming. There's obviously uh, you know, CIVT has the offerings that you know Steve has plenty of published yeah. work online that that uh, not the same as being in person, but it's it's still great. Yes. No. I'm just finishing off a um, well, I'm hoping to finish off a certification that Barbara has asked me to do to come on come on board with the training um, and assessing of the diploma. So I think when I've ticked that box, my next plan will be to to dive in some of the CIVT Chinese Chinese herb stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, you mentioned it, but I want to go back and pick up. I mean, so uh, acupuncture herbs, and you use laser too, yeah? I use my laser. Yeah, I bought a class three B laser, um, which was a little bit more well, hugely affordable compared to the class four lasers. I don't. It's, I'm sure it's the same over, over over there. Um, it's lovely and portable and um I kind of use it every, almost every time I use acupuncture I'm I've got my laser out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love it. do you do acupuncture with a laser or no? Yeah, I use the acupuncture points. Um so a lot of the distal points. So, you know, stick it sticking needles into into their into animals' paws to really really is not not a very good idea most of the time uh, or if a point's too painful I'll, um, I'll get I'll use the laser so the needles are sat there doing their job and then I'm I'm doing my laser so I think it works really nicely um, I exclusively pretty much use a laser for acupuncture and I agree I couldn't agree more I mean it yeah. just makes things it makes sure that you stay friends with the patient that's for sure <laughs> And I think it does. I, I, I really like fidgety. Like I have to. I just laser them because yeah, they're just so fidgety and and difficult. But they love the laser. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, Shelley. I don't want to keep you. <laughs> thanks so much for your time. It was great hearing your story and what you're up to. And I hope that uh, things get back to more normal soon. Yes, we have spring coming, um, so we're all feeling very positive. Thank you. Good. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.